Welcome to Covenant Conversations. This is our uh, occasional podcast that attempts to have a uh, thoughtful and meaningful spiritual conversation around all things uh, faith and relationship with the hopes that it is blessing your faith and your relationships as you make your way in the journey. This week, we have uh, the great privilege of talking to my friend Caleb Sines, and uh, we're talking about guided wonderings, which is really a conversation around uh, faith and ADHD. Caleb was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult, and as he'll tell you, he's had it his whole life. And so what we really wanted to do is unpack what is it like um, as a person of faith to uh, not only uh, discover something about yourself later in life, but then also how did it change uh, what he's doing? And then what is his advice for others who share his wiring? Um, and those who love them. And so it's a really wide-ranging conversation. Uh, You'll find out pretty quickly, uh, Caleb has no shortage of things to say or directions to take us in, but that's the beauty of the conversation. I'm so excited for you to hear it and uh, for you to be blessed with that as well. And so uh, with all that being said, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to Covenant Conversations. My name is Kyle Burkholder. I'm excited for uh, our conversation today with Caleb Sines, a good friend of mine who uh, is an adult ADHD survivor. No, um, I'm going to let you tell, uh, I'm going to let Caleb tell the story, but what we're talking about today is um, really what is it like to have faith um, and ADHD? And it's not uh, some some curse or some scourge. It's uh, something that we learn to live with as we go. And for both for kids, for adults, it's a whole different experience to do modern church, modern faith. How does that all work? Um, so I'm going to let Caleb introduce himself, uh, tell us who he is, and then tell us how he found out uh, that he was uh, an ADHD uh, pastor, as it turns out. So, Caleb, thanks for being here. Tell us all about yourself. Well, uh, my name is Caleb. I'm a uh, pastor here in San Antonio, uh, just recently planted about five months ago, which, as you'll hear, uh, figures pretty heavily into finally accepting what many people knew about me, which is that I, I've had an ADHD my whole life. Uh, I've, I've had the pleasure, of course, of knowing uh, Kyle, Steph, Bella Brixton for a long time. They've been instrumental in uh, ministry, but also instrumental in, in confirming this uh, ADHD <laughs> diagnosis. So I'm happy to share about my story, my experience, uh, all those things. Beautiful. Um, and we will note, if you're listening to this, um, if you're watching this, you're going to see what this looks like. But if you're listening to this, uh, you may hear background noise. And that's because uh, my friend chose the most distractible place possible to literally record a podcast outdoors in a public place. Um, so if you hear buses, horns, um, other conversations, we're going to try not to uh, hear too much of it. But that's what's happening. And it is a perfect reflection of what it's like uh, to know Caleb. So let me start here. Um what is your experience of the church? Um, the church kind of take that where you want to take that. We, we, we're not just talking about Sunday morning, but you know, um, what's your experience like uh, having ADHD as an adult? Like, what is it like to inhabit a space that uh, when I think about most religious things, church things, it seems to not be designed for somebody um, whose brain is kind of cycling through different ideas. Every few seconds, it seems to be like sit to here for an hour, listen intently, don't move. And, uh, consume it all perfectly and go and apply it. What is it like for for you? What's the difference now that you're aware of it? Uh, tell us about that experience. You know, I, I think uh, prayer is hard uh, in a church context, period. Uh, yeah, I think it's true for everybody. Your mind wanders. All of us deal with that. Uh, I, I think it's maybe especially hard for people with ADHD. 
my experience in church, and this is ironic, is that the hardest thing to be in the moment with is, is the sermon. And I say that's ironic because since we've planted, I think my sermons have averaged about 45 minutes, so, which I don't think is a byproduct of ADHD, but it, it might be. Um, I, I, what, the things that have helped me in church, and I don't think I knew this growing up, is just a, a clear sense of order. Uh, people with ADHD, I think, have probably realized at this point, uh, maybe before or even on the other side of diagnosis, that routines are very helpful. Um, it's some some kind of structure. You know, we're all we're all a dog at a dog park without a leash, and it's a wide open field. And so, to have some sense of a track kind of invites us back into that. You know, if you were lost in the woods, you're looking for things to bring you back. So. For me, a structured service is helpful, uh, but I didn't know that was the case before ADHD. And then when I started walking through this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's why, even though I didn't grow up with a sense of liturgy, it's a great passion for how I put services together. So kind of turning in my own weakness into uh, something helpful for the church, that's all been part of the process, I would say. Does it – so So if you know – for example, if you know that there's two songs, then a sermon and three songs, or you know kind of that that framework, um, or let's take a sermon since I'm the one um, shouting at you and you're sitting there listening. If you know that I'm I'm going to be done in five to 10 minutes, is that actually a boost for you that helps you get through it? Or what is that? What's that difference experience like? Or what have you, when have you experienced somebody who preached for an hour and a half and then you were just gone? So I, I think, um, and again, some of this is just true of everybody. I just think it's, it's intensely pronounced in different ways or emphasized different ways in mm. the ADHD brain. Um, I, I, I would say for me, it's less a time thing. I'm fine with a longer sermon. If, if the beats of a good structure are there, meaning like if, if, the, if it's engaging, not necessarily like relevant for the sake of being relevant, but if, if things are resonating, the points are resonating, if I'm able to follow uh, that, that, the length is, is kind of secondary. Um, when it comes to the service, like I, I think I, I kind of grew up in charismatic environment of like, we don't want to interrupt the flow of the spirit. But what I've found is that uh, it's easy to get in the flow of the spirit. If somebody can explain to you where you're going as you follow the spirit, meaning like, Hey, we're going to take this moment to pray this way. Here's why all those things. And so for me, I, I, I didn't know growing up why that was important, but now I'm at a place where, where not only do I recognize the, the helpfulness of that, I'm, I'm able to incorporate that. Um, I also think it kind of touches in a wiring some, like with, with teaching, I, I, you can only teach the way you learn. And so for me, kind of trying to draw attention in storytelling and in analogies and keep that track moving, that's how I have learned. So that's kind of fixtured and been a fixture of my preaching. That's helpful because I was thinking you probably, whether it's conscious or subconscious, there's probably a, a way that you're addressing knowing the, the congregation you're teaching has a variety of different, uh, what is the right word for this, uh, brain typologies or, you know, neurotypical, atypical. Um, so what are some of the things that you think through that you think other people don't? So I'm I'm more sitting on the, I don't have this, I don't know what it's like to live with this. Um, how are you thinking about it? And maybe that'll help um, me or others understand, oh, this is this is a, a helpful thing or this is the way we could think about a way to to bless people who are um, maybe sitting there going, this was not designed for me or I'm struggling. 
if only you would do this better or different, like, how do you do that? Um, I, it, interaction is helpful. And so some sometimes that's formal. Here's a part in the service where we meet and greet people around me, which if you have ADHD and you're an introvert, that could be very difficult. But for me in, in different positions of, of the service, kind of leaning into really what the sermon actually is, which is a, an opportunity to mediate conversation between us and God through his word and the spirit. So for me, it, making sure that there are elements where rhetorical questions are asked, or it really feels not like talking at somebody, but talking with them. I feel like I'm able to, and I still, my brain still jumps around even with medication, but I feel like it's the interaction that, that also helps keep me tethered. Mm. It's when I'm by myself, when I'm daydreaming. Um, so it, it, in services where, for example, if I'm ADHD and I'm in a really good place, I don't feel like I'm in a heaviness. Maybe it's not a lament season. It might be easy for my brain to wander. And so to explain like every component of the service is something we do together. Um, if it's not something that's directly blessing us, it's something that's indirectly blessing us by engaging and blessing other people. I think just understanding those things, the communal aspect is helpful. It's way easier for me to zone out if I'm at home sitting on the couch and we're all watching a show than it is for me at the dinner table talking to my wife and kids. I'm so glad you brought it up because my, my head goes to the dinner table because I'm thinking a lot of this conversation, the blessing for a lot of the community for this will be going, oh, what can I do better? And how do I, how do I, how can I be different in engaging people uh, intentionally? And so how does this impact your kind of family life? So you probably, odds are good, you got one kid uh, that's, uh, share some of your wiring. Um, do you do dinner time differently? Do you do bedtime differently? What What are the practices at home that have changed with the result of knowing what's happening? Well, we're figuring that out. It's a, having, I mean, I, again, I, I've been officially diagnosed for two and a half years now. And uh, I, I went through the whole medication process, but it's a little like the Enneagram. When you find out what you actually are, you want to diagnose everyone else. And so for for me, I'm like, oh, I have ADHD. Ooh, I'm, I'm spotting it everywhere, you know? And so for my daughter in particular, who might have ADHD, it was it was going like, how much of this is being an eight-year-old and how much of this is there's something else, which we're still figuring that out. But I, I again, it goes back to the conversation element. Um, it, it's funny, like I, I find myself when I'm most energized, capable of, of or at least telling myself I'm capable of pursuing many threads. When we get to the end of the night and I am like depleted, my medication, which is a 12 hour release has gone bye-bye. Um, all those things become nails on the chalkboard. Now my brain's exhausted. That's all medication conversation, but it's the slowness of a conversation where teaching the kids that everybody gets a chance to talk and we affirm what people say. So questions have been helpful. Uh, really we've made an effort in the last uh, year uh, to, to really lean on a few things, uh, more, more time at the dinner table together, family movie night, where we, we all get to actually have a night where we rest and watch TV together, it's not zoning out, but we're, we're resting in that way. And then game night, which competition, I don't know how you'd incorporate that in the church, but it, it does require you to be on some kind of track. It's, it's a kind of interaction, but he who is distracted is in last place. So <laughs> those things, those things force me to be uh, fully present. But I think, I think what you're asking is what, what are the things you do for you that you have in common with a nine-year-old and a four-year-old? <laughs> There's quite a we've, few. But, we've yeah. been asking that for a long time. Um, 
Okay. So, okay. So that's that it's, it's all getting more interesting even as we talk, cause it, even, even thinking of you and who you are and what, who, who I've known you to be, uh, my wife is in the similar brain space. Like the last thing you need is a lecture on anything. Um, and, and so as we think about how we instruct others, kids, even just like neurotypical people who, but it's like, nobody wants that. And it's just what you said earlier. You were like, it's just more pronounced. Like I just feel it first. Um, that was super interesting to me because it's, it's instructional for how we love each other well and engage each other. Um, okay. So then what are the tips? I know maybe I would tell you to put yourself in two different spots. So one, you are who you are today, but then go back to like 12 year old you or 19 year old you or whatever, pick a couple, but what tips or tricks have you learned that have helped you thrive or what things do you think would have helped you thrive um, back in the day? And this isn't again, not just Sunday morning, but that's a part of it. And that's a helpful part of it because we can expand that to the dinner table in the classroom and all the other places. But so what are the tips and tricks that, that would change little Caleb's life and that today you go, this literally is a, a week changer. If I do this one thing, it's everything. Yeah, I, I I think there actually is a lot of overlap when it comes to ADHD between the classroom experience and the, maybe like the gathered worship experience where they're in an environment of practicing and learning. And, and so I, I, I think some of the, the overlap is similar. I didn't know it at the time, but um, there there's a benefit in what you might call guided wandering. So your, your brain is, and I'm just making that phrase up. So if it makes no sense, you can edit it out <laughs> or, or do AI voiceover with something more profound. But, but the, the way your brain is wired does not have to be uh, a curse or some kind of burden. The, it, it's like anything else. When you understand something about yourself, uh, you're able to steward it. And so uh, for a long time, maybe there was probably an, an implicit fear in me that addressing ADHD, both you know, in diagnosis and medication would kind of remove creativity, which, which I think was some, is a passion of mine, something I've been blessed with, but it's done the opposite. Uh, it's, it's kind of helped me stick to a track on a single creative thought instead of 5,600 creative thoughts. But at the same time, I do think having, like for me, I do a lot now in ministry I've never had to do that's administrative, executive, but it's, it's the creative projects that give me the opportunity to wonder. And so if you're 12, you know, or if you're in high school or, or entering into college, I think it's maintaining spaces where you can wander. And it doesn't have to be a creative aspect, but just um, activities that, that don't feel, it's a balance, right? Like, like having activities that let you be who you are, that really balance out the structure you need. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody deals with that in some way, but for people with ADHD, the, the, the balance is, is a much starker contrast. Hmm. Okay. Um, guided wondering is maybe one of the more profound things you've ever said. I'm not sure, but, um, <laughs> yeah. we'll what see. is, what is Christianity other than guided wondering? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So go back to the mm -hmm. desert and go back, you know, see, we can go back to the early days and go, this has always been about guided wondering. Um, you think of the disciples following Jesus and they're, they don't know what they're doing, but mm -hmm. they're being guided along this, this path of trying to figure it out. Um, so maybe is there something you've, is there something discipleship related? Cause you're a, you're a pretty fierce discipler, which, uh, always surprises me. It charms me about like, you're, you're, um, one of the more social, one of the more, uh, just, you've got 
a hundred irons in the fire at all times. And you're like, also, I've been meeting with this young worship leader for the last six months, every week for four hours a week. And I'm like, how do you have time? So is there something in your discipleship world that this guided wondering, is, is there more wisdom to unpack there? What have you, what, what is that? I, I would say two things. Uh, maybe I, yeah, I'm a big fan of alliteration. So my brain goes to, to relationship and remembrance. And so, uh, so much of, I, I relate so much to the wandering of the people in the old Testament. Uh, you know, there's a reason come now found my favorite hymn. It's like prone to wander. Lord, I feel it not just in my heart, but in my brain, I feel it <laughs> even as we're singing this song. Um, but I, I think remembrance is, is very helpful. It's, uh, you know, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And the, the remembrance, uh, at the time is not like recollection or recollection. Uh, I had a professor in seminary who said, if you asked an Old Testament uh, Israelite to tell you about his high school graduation, he'd say, wait here. And he'd walk back in in a cap and gown and go through the whole service. It's an embodied trait. And so for me, remembrance is something we, it's embodied. And so my whole self is involved in remembering. It's like bringing me back into the fold. There's a great book uh, uh, on Lent, uh, uh, Catherine Green McCray wrote a while back. Um, and, and one of the things she says is like, if you're lost and, uh, you've, you've got this map in front of you, it doesn't matter how detailed the map is. If you don't have the, you are here red dot. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's what my brain can feel like many times. And it's remembrance that tells me you are here. And so recognizing that about myself, there, there's a, that's true of, uh, of everyone to an extent. I mean, it's, it's a biblical concept. We have to remember where, where we are. She, she brings up Job. Job was like, where were you when this happened? And, and God responds with the question, you know, where were you? Like, th- this is, I have done all these, the answer is you, you've been with me. I've held you this whole time. Uh, and the other thing is uh, relationship. And, and of course with God, but with one another, like um, someone else's uh, testimony or encouragement is an opportunity to help me remember and vice versa. When it, when I, when I remember where I am, it's an encouragement to other people. And so that, that beacon that kind of draws me to home is louder when it's, when it's uh, shared in relationship. Hmm. Okay. So I'm going to keep digging because this is, <laughs> it's getting, it's just getting more interesting. <laughs> so is there something, and I may be wrong here. Is there something in your memory bank? Um, that's that, um, there's a blessing to the physicality of remembrance for you. So, so whereas mm. the modern Western way of, of learning, remembering, regurgitating, it's, it's all very abstract and it's all, um, it's stuck in your head. It, it's, it's placeless. It's, it's not embodied. Is there some practice that you have, or is there a reason you work with people? Um, like, I don't think I've ever seen you in an office that like you're always out with people. You're <laughs> always doing things physically. Um, and that may not be ADHD related. That's just a faith relation thing. I'm curious about that sort of embodied sense, um, meeting a person with people. Is there something else there that changes our kind of brain structure when we think of Western learning to like, we're following an ancient Eastern practice. What is the, just talk about that. You know, at, uh, I I probably, I'm like everything else. I probably stole this from somebody, but we, we repeated at church often that, um, discipleship happens in laboratories and lecture halls. So where are the spaces where people get to do uh, the, the work of discipleship, not hear about it or, or try to pick it up by osmosis, but participate. And, and the thing we do both in the church and when, when I meet with people, one of the reasons I, 
I, I enjoy my office when I had it before we planted. I had just gotten it perfect and then we got to call the plant. So there you go. But uh, I think the thing is, is meals. It's, it's sharing a meal, you know, and, and uh, I watch, watch y'all do communion every week. And uh, I, I love it. It's a great leveler for me. I can feel very prideful about the sermon I just preached. I got it in under 50 minutes, but uh, it, it, it levels there where I can feel very, very low. And it's a, a leveler the other way. But it's a, it's a cognitive remembrance that we all participate in together. And I think that that's true in that very clear sacramental sense on a Sunday. But it's true just sitting with somebody that um, especially people in ministry and in, in the church. Because Colossians 3.16, the word of Christ, it dwells richly among us. You know, it's present in this meal. Um, and, and you just, you, you get different sides of people. There's a vulnerability that comes. I mean, you and I have a mutual friend who was terrified of eating in front of other people for a long time. Uh, and, and I, as odd that that, as that seemed in San Antonio, a city known for its obesity problem where everyone eats constantly and openly. Uh, I, I, I think in his, uh, fear that there was a deep understanding that this is a vulnerable activity. And so I, that has become, I don't know that I would have been able to word why meals were so important to me in, in relating to other people. But now that we're planting a church and so much of what we do and ministering to people has shifted towards meals, I, I'm understanding that's that's what's so helpful. You know? hmm. Okay. That, I mean, I did not expect to get into uh, the, <laughs> the San Antonio obesity crisis, but I'm glad <laughs> you brought that to the front. Um, We're moving down. I don't. I, we might still be in the top five big cities, but I, think I mean, <laughs> New Orleans, Houston. It's a three-way race, so yeah. it just means the food's good. Um, uh-huh. That's right. So, so if someone came to you at twenty-five years old, you you have a young church member. They come to you. They're like, "Hey, look, you know, I squeaked through college. I felt like my brain's on on the fritz my whole life, and then I finally got this adult ADHD diagnosis. Um, I feel really." much like I feel firmed, right? Oh, well, this is why that's the way this works for me. And it's not a wrong thing. It's just different. What would you tell them um, when it came to here's how your life's going to change or here's some practices for you specifically as you uncover this, here's how you're going to thrive. How would you explain that to a young church member who just found out that this is what they were living with? Uh, You have described an exact scenario that has happened multiple times since we (laughs) planned it. Uh, it's almost like I talked about this a lot. Um, I did tell people, uh, and I'm getting a little ADHD here because I'm going to talk about three things and bring it back, hopefully, to the middle. But I, I tell people when I'm expressing my gratitude for our church, I thank you know, three people. Uh, my wife, of course, um, Emily Diaz, she's our project manager with Stadia, and Vivance, which is my medication for ADHD. Without those three things, we, would, we wouldn't be here. But what I, what I want to tell people is... Uh, you know, whether you're on medication or not, speaking to somebody who's a professional who can kind of explain some things to you is always helpful. It, medication is is almost secondary at that point once you know what you have. And I know plenty of people with ADHD who just manage it somehow. It's the name of Michael Scott's book, Somehow I Manage. See, firing on all cylinders. Um, for me, my, how I finally came to decide about getting diagnosed, diagnosed is very funny. Um, and and it, it, it ties in with uh, getting all these things confirmed by the, the person who diagnosed me. But I was, uh, we were in the, we had prayed about planting. We talked to friends, you know, you and Steph, of course, and uh, really got some wisdom about some things and spoke to my lead pastor, got affirmed. 
and I, I told him, Hey, here's, a, we worked on a timeline together. Give me six months. I'll work on, um, you know, uh, our, our plan before we announce it to the church and get a core team together. It's like, great, great. So I put together prospectus, spent a ton of time on it. I mean, it, it probably took me twice as long because I wasn't on medication yet or diagnosed, but it came together. It was really good, beautiful, all those things. And about a month before, maybe less, uh, we're about to announce this uh, core, uh, this uh, get, gather core team announces plant to the church. Um, I get a letter in my mailbox that says I have a warrant out for my arrest. I'm like, what in the world? And I open it and it says failure to appear for a speeding ticket. And I'm like, what? What does this mean? And I'm looking at him going, no, I, I did defensive driving. I know I, I paid for it, you know. And I look and I never submitted any of the <laughs> defensive driving material. So I called my friend. Uh, he's a lawyer. He helps me work it out. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I probably just have ADHD. Or something. How do you forget something like that? He goes, oh, yeah, you definitely have ADHD, which is <laughs> I feel like that should be under my bio and everything. Like, yeah, he definitely has ADHD. So finally, I, I, I was like, I, this can't happen. Like, this can't happen again. I need to, to get planted uh, with some semblance of, of stability. So I, I, found, I talked to my primary care physician, found a place to get diagnosed. And the guy I spoke to was so encouraging and so helpful. And he said a couple of things. Number one, there's no such thing as adult ADHD. You didn't develop it. You've had it your whole life. But number two, the reason you haven't noticed it as acutely is because you've had a structure around you mm. to cover for many of those mistakes, either in strong parents, good friends, uh, uh, great teachers, whatever that looks like. You grew up with a very stable structure, which is not the case for everyone. Just, um, I think people who realize they have ADHD, sometimes it's that they don't have that structure necessarily. Uh, but he said you had a, a very stable structure environment where you kind mm. of uh, work beyond it or past it. And he goes, now that you've gotten older, you are that environment. Your career's changed. You've got new responsibilities. And you're realizing as you drop things what has always been the case as your environment adjusts to where you're at. And that was like the big light bulb moment for me to mm. go, okay, there's something to this. So, uh, and I spoke to him about the creativity thing I mentioned earlier. Like, is this going to change who I am? I don't want to, you know, be a robot. And he said, actually, I think it might enhance all the things that you enjoy about who you are. And that had, has been the case. The the medication journey, that's probably the third thing I'd say is have patience with the treatment. I uh, started out on, and this might matter to some people, Stratera, which is a non-stimulant, and went through that for about six months, maybe seven months. And the nausea was so significant that I went to a stimulant with Vyvanse. And I was a little worried. And then when I got on Vyvanse, my blood pressure had to find some sense of equilibrium, which took probably another three months. But I've been on Vyvanse now for about 13 months and it has been phenomenal. I can tell the days I don't take it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I can tell when it runs out, but all those things are, are manageable. And it, you know, the older you get, there's many more things to manage, but I would say that talk to a professional, express your fears, uh, really just kind of acknowledge the, where you're at. I think mm. changes or, or movements and stages of life can expose things that were always there. And that's usually more helpful than it is harmful. And then just have patience with what mm. the other side of diagnosis might look like. Hmm. Um, I have a follow-up to that, but I have to ask first, didn't you get a ticket? You helped, you drove with me moving us to Ohio and you got a ticket in Illinois. Uh, and if I recall correctly, you didn't pay that ticket either for a while. No, no, no. I'm in the state of Illinois. most <laughs> uh, That was very funny because we, 
it was a speed trap. We came down a hill. The guy was hiding behind the other side of the overpass. And uh, we got pulled over and he's like, what are you guys doing? I remember very vividly going, well, we're both pastors, you know, I'm moving somewhere. It's like, that's great. Here's the ticket. It's like, oh man, that was probably God's first invitation to get, uh, <laughs> take stock of my life. <laughs> I appreciate that you, you blame the downhill speed trap as the justification right. for sin. That was helpful. <laughs> you know what it was? Um, I was so distracted by the music. I wasn't paying attention to the speed. Yeah. That was the beauty of uh, Southern Illinois. Um, okay. So my actual follow-up was, all right, so now I'm, I'm the young person I've come to you. I said, okay, so I, I, I think I have this. I've, I went to my doctor, I'm getting diagnosed, whatever medicine, no medicine doesn't matter. Um, they're choosing their, their journey. What have you experienced as a faith blessing? Cause I know you to be so thoughtful. You're an artist, you're a poet, you're a writer. Um, you have a prayer life that I'm often jealous of in, in the, the depth and, and kind of thoughtfulness of, of how you commune with God. What is, what, if anything, maybe it's nothing. What, if anything has changed uh post diagnosis for you, that's been an enhancement in your spiritual life that you go, this has been different. And, and maybe here's why. I think um, keeping, keeping connection and tabs with the things that matter uh, has been helpful. Cause I think one of the, the downsides to ADHD is that uh, you kind of lose a sense of priorities. So I'll be, you know, researching something for a sermon, and this is pre-diagnosis of medication, and I'll have a, a thought and a rabbit trail will last for 40 minutes. And it's it's like the momentum's there, and I'm on Wikipedia, and I'm, I'm on, you know, who knows, I'm researching some random trial, you know, in Europe in the 1950s. But that's the idea. And so the, the benefit for me, and not just in sermon preparation, but for, for prayer, prayer time has been uh, really uh, uh, help with priorities. And then if I, uh, you know, if I do the thing all of us Christians do, it's just, I'll pray for that person. I'll reach out. I'm getting better. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't classify myself as good as it, good at it yet, but I'm getting better at follow up and I'm, I'm getting better about actually praying for, for people. Uh, mm. And so those, those things have been helpful. There's more plates than ever to jug, juggle. So I, I wonder if, uh, I, I wonder if on the surface I look the same as I did uh, four years ago, but there's there's more that's that's being held up right now. So I, I know um, I know that's a big part of, of having that, and and it's the same with with people who are balancing. Um, you know, I would say a work life and a faith life. The the, the, the idea of balance is, is silly. They're not they're not uh, don't need to be in contention, and they're not truly separate. Uh, but the, it does require priority, and I think that's mm-hmm. where where diagnosis medications helped me in particular. Hmm. Okay. So it's, it's become a tool that's actually, you've been able to apply and that's interesting. I wouldn't have uh, mm. thought of any of it. So I'm glad you said it. Um, I kind of don't know where to go with this. So I have, I have two options and, and one is yeah. uh, in my house, we call ADHD a superpower because there is a hyper-focus as a thing. So people who know what that is, you can Google it if you need to. But essentially there's like occasional hyper-focus where it's like we get lost and I have a kid that'll play piano for four straight hours or dance for eight straight hours. You're like, how did you do that? And it's a weird like other side of the coin scenario. Um, but there's also occasional frustration with um, it's I'm frustrated with myself that I fail to like, and, and faith matters. That's a great one. I fail to follow up or I failed to actually pray mm-hmm. for someone I said I was going to or whatever. Um, but if it's a superpower, like we believe if every blessing is a burden or every strength is also a weakness, um, 
what's the encouragement for the 35 year old mom that's walking into our church on Sunday morning of how to apply their superpower to their faith life? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I think that I, I love the, the superhero idea. Number one, because I'm very prideful, but number two, <laughs> I think, I think for me, um, that reaching out to things that feel random, that the thing that I, feel makes me unique is that I'm able to retain the things that, that I reach out to. Um, I, and I don't know that that would be the case without ADHD. I, I get made fun of often for quoting random, random things, but I think it's because the things that bless me, they I've reached out, gone on this thought adventure and I brought that thing back. And so connections, I think are part of that superpower connecting things with people and, um, mm-hmm. being an extrovert is, is helpful. But I think the, the frustrating side of that, uh, and, and I think this this comes up often in conversation is my brain feels like it's moving on before people are ready. Sometimes I wonder if, if me listening to podcasts at 1.5 speed is making that problem worse. I, I, I speak quickly. I, I, I'm not trying to – that can come across as trying to move people along in conversation. What it, and, and this – You'll never experience this more than you will in a marriage. But I, uh, I constantly like we we come back to the home base of I'm not trying to move you along. I'm trying to participate. But that's my brain stays on track by participating. So I'll re- I'll respond with what people say. Or, or but for some people, that can be very that can feel intrusive, and because people process differently. And so I I would say in know yourself and know your friends. Know know yourself. Know who you're talking to. Um, and that's where diagnosis is actually helpful. Like your friends who, who love you probably if you have ADHD have suspected that for a long time. So it's nice to just be out in the open and go like, Hey, I'm sorry. I, my brain was over here. Can you just say that one more time? I really want to listen. Or if you're on the other side of it and you love this person you go, Hey, Hey, come back to me. I don't know where you went, but come back right here. Um, like meetings can still be difficult for me. Uh, especially ones I'm, I'm not leading. Cause I'm thinking about other things. And so then I'll circle back and repeat something somebody else just said two minutes ago, which that's a frustration to me. It's probably a frustration at the table too. So I just think the vulnerability of, of sharing this part of the journey with other people in trust that they're going to uh, accept who you are, mm-hmm. but, uh, but in, in an encouraging way, uh, draw you to a place of, of mutual understanding and, and health. So that's really helpful. Just like just the, the shared awareness does change everything. Cause the things you're saying, we've had these days, like I will be talking and uh, I am prone to verbosity and my wife will let me finish and be like, I stopped listening about three minutes into that <laughs> conversation. And I'm just, I'm like, well, can you tell me the last thing I said? She's like, no, it's uh, been a long time. Or, um, we'll get to, I'll start talking and I'll recognize it in real time. And I'll be like, Hey, what are you thinking about? And she'll tell me, and it isn't the thing that I'm talking about at all. I, and then I'm like, okay, let's readdress here. But it's also trained me. And maybe this is, maybe this is the help for the general population um, is it's trained me to be more sensitive to that interaction. So like, am I seeking that uh, affirmative kind of uh, mirroring effect in a conversation? Am I asking, does that make sense? You know, I'm, 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 inviting participation because mm-hmm. you even said earlier, I like to, I need to participate to stay engaged. Yeah. And so it, it's helped me in my home to go, I need to invite participation here because I can see eyes glazing over and you know, the squirrels start running mm-hmm. and people are gone. So that's yeah. actually really helpful for all of us, both 
whether we suspect we're living with this or if we just think we maybe need to be better and more sensitive. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, your cup of coffee looks empty um, and I've used as much of your time as I can. You get the last word. Um, what else would you want to say? You have free reign to tell anybody anything, but what, what would be on your heart to say related to this or anything else? It's a really good question. I, I think for me, um, we don't think of any diagnoses really, but, but uh, ADHD sometimes can feel separate from discipleship. Like it's its own component I have to figure out, but all, all of discipleship is stewarding who you are and following who Jesus is. And uh, I, I think for me, the frustration sometimes with, with how I'm wired can uh, create a desire to separate or compartmentalize that, that part of, of who I am. Uh, that same author I mentioned earlier, Catherine Green McCrate, she has a book on a depression. It's beautiful. If you've ever struggled with that, it's a great book to read. Uh, it's called Darkness is My Only Companion. Uh, but she has a passage in there about the beauty of the gospel is that we're so much more than our personalities, which are dynamic, our mental capacity, which can fluctuate and change over time. Um, there's something deeper in us that God values and has called to resurrection life. And so even in, in your weakness and frustration with this, even in the ways it affects habits, uh, you know, relationships, routines, vocation, uh, you're so much more than the struggle. Um, uh, and there's opportunity to see that in the middle of the struggle as you really depend on God for clarity and, and wisdom and, and how to address with who, who you are and how you're wired. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's rich. We're, there's nothing I'm going to add to that. That's beautiful. Um, so grateful for you. Tell us how we find you. If somebody is listening to this and they're in San Antonio or the area, how do they find your church or then how do they find you if they want to connect with you personally? Uh, our church is the garden sa for san antonio.org you can go there and find out more about us we got some resources we're really passionate about lent this year um so we got a podcast uh guide uh, weekly devotionals all that stuff uh, i'm uh at caleb j signs on twitter which right now is primarily spurs nonsense uh, we're terrible but we might have the next michael jordan so it's fine and on instagram it's a lot of uh I got really into photography, which is part of that guided wandering. It's been a great, it's been, and it's, it's less expensive than record collecting. So that's a whole, you know, other, that's a whole other thing, but both, both of those things. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for making time for this. Thank you to everybody for listening, joining in on this conversation. This has been uh, so rich and I feel like I have even new ways to approach people in my life. I love, and hopefully if, uh, whether you're in Caleb's shoes or in mine, Uh, you have uh, gained some new insight and the discipleship journey is just a little clearer from here on out. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, uh, keep the conversation going.